Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that can't stop watching otter videos while at work, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get the perks! Patrons get those perks. Stevie. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's worn out his old VHS copy of Tomb Buster. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. That's true. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's not a mercenary. He's a gift shopist. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! Thank you for that, I think. <laughs> Good to be back, fellas. Excited to talk about Moon Knight and... Uh... I don't know, indifferent about the other things. <laughs> well, Spoilers. We will get to if being, it. If I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Moon Knight. That'll probably take up uh, a lot of the episode. And we're also going to talk about a new movie that dropped on HBO Max this week. Um, it is kind of crickets at the movie theaters right now in anticipation of a very strange week next week. Um, yeah. A very, very strange week. Uh, so yeah, so not a lot of stuff coming out. Why do you always week. talk in cryptic riddles? I don't understand. <laughs> what could you be referring to? Uh, if you can't figure it out, maybe go see the doctor. Um, so we are mm-hmm. going to talk about both of those things. Before we get to any of that, right off the bat, uh, Andrew is itching to talk about last week's movies, uh, The North <sighs> Man. Uh, so mad I missed it. And uh, I'm slipping my brain. What else did we talk about last week? The Northmen and... Uh, in, uh, was something, is the Nick Cage unbearable oh, yeah, yeah. way to massive talent? Is it the unbearable way to massive talent? or? Yes. Yeah, I believe okay, that no, is correct. Right. So, yeah. Andrew, tell us a little bit about your thoughts uh, on those movies. Northmen. Loved it. 
Absolutely loved it. I know that a lot of people are... They don't really like Eggers movies, you know. They're me they're included. Not, yeah, I yeah, I was trying to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> no need. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, no, no. He he's a he has a a particular style that is not, I guess you could say, universally appealing. You know, he's very lucid with his movies. Mm-hmm. They're they're weird and fantastical, but I think out of uh, Something you can say about all of his movies is uh, he has an artistic eye. I think they're beautiful movies. And this one is probably the most beautiful by like a long shot. This mm. is a gorgeous movie. It really it is. It really, really is. And performances all around um, Skarsgård. Uh, it's weird seeing Nicole Kidman play Skarsgård's mother. In this, mm-hmm. while like at the same time he's playing her wife or her husband in Big Little Lies, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's crazy seeing that. But um, yes, let's. I'm gonna admit it. This movie awoke something primal uh-huh. in me. Of course it did, and it yes. made me think like, oh yeah, let's 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 go conquer some stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's what our culture uh, needs right now. More more violence really, yeah. and conquering. More yes. more violence and conquering. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll be the first to say it. Yes, I got Scandinavian blood in me. Also, yes, I understand. Vikings weren't the best people, you know? <laughs> and whenever you have a movie about said people, you're going to see some stuff that is not going to be, uh, you know, happy, happy town frolics. I mean, you're going to see slavery. You're going to see raids. You're going to see berserkers going crazy, but... At the same time, I don't want that to take away from the fact that I think this is a, an absolutely beautiful movie. Yeah. Is it basic? Yes. It's an absolute basic story. You know, I mean, it's the, I think, one of the cl- most classic stories arcs you could ever hear, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, father dies, boy wants revenge. You know, I mean, it's, but you put that into a unique setting and then you try and build on that. I think that it's a great movie. Well, we knew, we knew you would love it. In fact, we, uh, we, gave yeah, a I sh- know. Shout I watched, out, uh, that you, that you would love it. I listened last week cause I wanted to, <laughs> I couldn't wait to hear what you guys thought. And, uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, they were right. Yeah. Ian was right. I, I, as he said, loved it. Yeah. And we both liked yeah. it too. It's my favorite Eggers movie easily. John, have you seen it? Yeah. I have not. Okay. Um, what about the unbearable weight of a massive talent? I did like it. It's not what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting it to be a self-deprecating kind of, you know, like, oh, this is Nick Cage being truly meta and going all in on the fact that sometimes he can be, you know, an absolutely crazy person in Mm. his movies. And I was expecting that, but instead I got kind of just a regular Nick Cage movie, which is fine because I it's wanted weird, them right? to, I wanted them to commit to the bit. Yes, exactly. If that makes That's sense. That's exactly it. Yeah, they don't commit yeah, to the like, bit enough, in my opinion. Yeah, um, like and I, and I know self-deprecation can be you know difficult, you know, but. At the same time, I think that it can also be freeing and allow you just to have the most fun. Mm-hmm. And if you're having so much fun, that's going to translate into your performance and yeah. 
the people watching the movie are going to feed off of that. Yeah. I still it's enjoy good. it. It's good. Yeah. It's funny. Still enjoy yeah. it. Uh, John, have you seen that one? Nope. There you go. Uh, John, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, you got kids or something? Like, what's what's taking up your yeah. time? Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. And they both got ear infections last week, so oh, we've been making a lot man. of trips to the doctor. Oh. Single, a lot of, uh, single ear lot infections of or double ear infections? Double in one, single in the other. Oh, so three, three out, out of four, four ears. Man. 75% <laughs> ear infection in the, the Paula kids. Did it uh, throw off their yeah. balance at all and stuff? Uh, the make little one's dizzy. clumsy as heck regardless. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, not not quite. But we've been we've been getting a lot of. Can you say that again? I didn't. What was that? Huh? What? Huh? We're like, oh, jeez, huh? you really can't do yeah. anything, can you? Yeah. Uh, well, they'll get that. They don't that, even know how to complain. Right? They'll get that from you down the road. So just consider it. You know, it'll it'll balance yeah. out in the end, and eventually yeah. you'll be the one be going. Huh? What? Why did you say? Uh, so That's right. It'll happen. That's right. Uh, all right, let's get into our reviews for this week. We will kick it off talking about Disney Plus's Moon Knight. I'm losing it. We'll catch you on. You're bloody useless, Stevie. Steven. I can't tell the difference between my and dreams. Thank you. Lost the contact lens. Hope you find it. Thanks. When Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop employee, becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life, he discovers his disassociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. As Stephen Mark's enemies converge upon them, they must navigate their complex identities while thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods of Egypt. Marvel's... Oh, is that what it's about? Thank you for saying it in a single sentence, because if you had given me 20 minutes to write a synopsis for this show, I would come (laughs) up so short. It is bonkers. It just, episode to episode, it it is a mystery. How is it unfolding? Why does any of this matter? Who is who? How does this work? Is this real? Is this fake? Is this an identity or another person? Uh, And I have enjoyed that aspect of it. But boy, Moon Knight is like the most confusing and unique and and different show they've done so far. Yeah, let me say this before we get any further. Uh, This is Marvel Studios. uh, Their latest TV uh, offering, Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke are playing uh, in... Well, Oscar Isaac Isaac and Ethan Hawke uh, are all in this, uh, playing different roles. Um, And I will say this, what we have done with these uh, MCU show reviews, uh, consistently, it's just worked out this way. It's kind of our thing now. We review them before the finale, uh, one episode before the finale. So we've watched five out of the six, um, and we are not fearing spoilers. So when you listen to a TV review here on the show, we don't do a separate SIF spoil because there's so much ground to cover and so many things to talk about. So if you want to watch New- Moon Knight without hearing our opinions on the first five episodes, not the Just entire season, then you'll need to hop ahead uh, into the uh, next timestamp uh, for the next review because we will be spoiling stuff through episode five. And there is plenty to spoil. This show goes in some very interesting and weird places, as, as John said. So, John, continue with your thought. Would you then categorize this show through the first five episodes as liked it, loved it, disliked it, hated it, or it was just okay? Great question. Uh, I would say High Side of Liked It. I'm enjoying it despite not really understanding what's going on. High Side of Liked It, you say? Yeah, I would think okay. so. Maybe maybe, maybe just in the middle. It's of, what is this, like the fifth or the sixth show they've done? 
I, there's a couple I like more than this, but there's a couple I like less. Okay. This is Loki, Andrew. What is, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. <clears throat> Low Side of Loved It. Loving it, I guess. Nice. nice. Yeah, Low Side of Loving It so far. Uh, I am s- firmly in Loved It. I am having yeah. so much fun with this show. Um, after episode five, it replaced WandaVision as my favorite MCU uh, oh. show so far. Episode 5 um, was heavy. Ev- episode 5 was incredible. Um, I, yeah. It, it kind of blew my mind. Uh, and not just not just for plot stuff that's going on and kind of things coming into a clearer picture. Would and you kind say of... hippoplotamus? <laughs> yes, yes, for the hippoplotamus. Uh, I no, I, I, for me, it's, it's the intense actual thematic work it's doing about trauma loss and what it means to survive like it is my, my wife turned to me and said this is what therapy feels like by yeah. the way yeah <laughs> this yes. is like this is the perception and the visualization of a therapy session i'm like yeah no i get that yeah this is yeah so that 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 kind of pushed me over the edge i was already really enjoying it even the even when i was uh, kind of trying to find my ground as to where we were and you know what's real and what's not, which by the way isn't necessarily answered uh, at the end of episode five. I, I still don't know. Um, yeah. I, I, I have a firm, I have a firm belief that I that the show is uh, made it at least a little bit clear where it's headed, but um, but there's nothing, there's no guarantee. Uh, we can talk more specifics here in a bit. Um, but yeah, I am, I am loving this so much. I cannot believe Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke are acting on a comic book television show like this is like mind-blowing stuff they're both doing so great the two uh personalities that we've seen from oscar isaac the two characters i should say are distinct they are clear they are fully formed um he is just knocking it out of the park the the story is that once he had signed on and read the the material that he's the one that convinced that they're kind of neighbors he convinced Ethan Hawke to uh, to come in and, yeah. and play that role, and um, man, I'm glad because they are just yeah. so good in those roles. Um, like physical neighbors, they live on the same street in LA. Yeah, like I, something like that. Whatever. Literally, that was the story I heard. Was that they're yeah that's, that they live near each other? That's so. wonderful. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they're getting more. I don't know traditional prestige actors like Ethan into the MCU. Um, I'm still holding out hope Meryl Streep joins at some point and, and like as a villain. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, Daniel I, I, Day I don't, Lewis I is Doctor. He would Doom. never make it. He would never. People. He he's he's too, for lack of a better word, too pretentious for this. But Meryl Streep would, and mm-hmm. I think Feige could throw enough money at her that she'd be like, "I'll have fun with this." Yeah. But yeah, yeah Ethan is great, um, and the stuff is. Oscar is doing, especially opposite himself in scenes where he's just arguing or talking to mirrors and reflections of his alter ego or his, his repressed identity. I don't know how you describe it. All those scenes where he's arguing with himself are just. You completely forget, like, oh yeah, no, there's there's just the one guy here. Well, and it um, it comes even more to life when they're actually in the same room in episode, you know, five, yeah, where yeah. they're actually in real space together, and you just see how different they are physically and how they carry themselves. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, great. Meek, He's doing the meekness of work. Steven. Yeah, and yeah. even even though he's like more, you know, gung ho, there's still a timidness and fear in Mark. Especially in this episode, mm-hmm. not for himself, but for Steven. He's like, oh, I don't want you to see this stuff, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think the best thing, the best thing in the show, and it was way more prevalent in like the first couple of episodes, it's still here and there, but the cinematography in this show, especially that pilot episode, the way it moves with reflections and the way it does quick cuts, you know, quick cut transitions and stuff like that to move from, uh, 
one location to the next. Uh, I think it's just stellar. Absolutely stellar. Easily the best shot show. It feels almost like if... Uh, I almost said uh, Robert Eggers, but that's not right. Let's go with uh, uh, Hot Fuzz, uh, Shaun of the Dead... He just did... Edgar what's Wright? His name? Edgar Wright. Oh, yeah. It feels kind of like Edgar Wright, you know, because he does those quick transitions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I think the best thing in the show, even higher than the performances, which are incredible, is the cinematography. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I uh, I think currently, and of course episode six can, you know... It'll, it'll be interesting, you know, because honestly, WandaVision, up until the last episode was amazing and then the last episode was just kind of like back to marvel being marvel you know lots of punching and fighting and you know bringing things back to where they started it, and that, it's, it's it's interesting you say that I, I feel the same way about wandavision but a show like loki i felt was kind of spinning its wheels and not making a lot of sense but then when it all coalesced in episode six i was like oh this is actually really mm-hmm. fantastic and yeah. i like the slow build that they were building towards Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like my opinion sort of make or break with the final episode here um, for Moon Knight next week. Uh, because if it sort of finally puts a bow on things and maybe explains in a way for dumb people like me, like what really was real, what happened and why, uh, I can really enjoy it. But if it does another mystery box and it does something else and it kicks the can to a second season we might not get, that's obviously going to frustrate me. But um, I, I have faith they're going to they're gonna sort of stick the landing. Uh, so- but, yeah, so far it has been... Up and down for me. I loved the pilot, but then it was either episode two or episode three where the Steven personality basically was absent for the whole show when we were just mm-hmm. following Mark. And I was kind of frustrated. I'm like, well, I spent all this time empathizing and learning about Steven's predicament and his life as a, uh, you know, a gift store uh, gift employee. Shopist. Yeah, gift shopist. And then the third episode, we just don't even see him or know what happened to him. And I was like, I, I, I trust we'll get back to him, but... Uh, a long detour in what is only a six-episode show felt like a bit of a hindrance. But besides that sort of pacing element to it that has sort of been back and forth for me, uh, well, I love the action. I think the, yeah. the production design and all the visuals you mentioned, Andrew, are just gorgeous. All that stuff in the night on the desert, uh, all just so beautiful looking. That, uh, that, that rooftop chase in episode two from the, the demon jackal or whatever those yeah, are called. that was great too. Um, the discount Demogorgon, uh, that, that is, uh, (laughs) that, that the slow motion they use from that front shot when he's running away and the, the, like I, some of that stuff is blowing me away. I'm just like, this looks so cool. And it's not that typical Marvel quick cut action. Can't tell what's going on. I mean, there is some of that, to be honest, there is some of that in this show, but it's also taking time to, to have some really, uh, uh, you know, spacious, action shots which are really fun what do you guys think of this the fact that this show while being in the mcu is so fantastical and feels so even though it's about technically one person Mm -hmm. i guess well uh, two okay i'll I'll say it's about two people you know steven and mark you know and it's so grand and vast you know it feels like it's universal in scale and yet we don't have Anything that ties it into the MCU yet? Anything? It's one of, it's one of my favorite things, actually. It's it's yeah. like the first. It's like the first time in these TV shows, uh, in any of them. Yeah, this is the first one where it's been like, you know what? You could literally watch this and not know the rest of the MCU exists. 
Yeah. If you're paying close attention, you may see a poster for like blip recovery or yeah. something like that. But for the most part, nobody's talking about it. It's we not. We don't even know up. if Stephen and Mark were blipped or anybody in the show was blipped. We don't we, know. We don't we even don't. know if this is the same universe as yeah. <laughs> the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like now that we've yeah. opened up that idea and. There is part of me that wonders if in the season finale it'll be revealed that this is actually a different uh, timeline or universe. Or I think universe is what we're saying, right? Like this is a multi-universe. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of oh, like the multiverse. Like, mm-hmm. like Stephen Strange yeah. is going to tie it in. And, yeah. uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my feeling in the first episode or two was we usually get with the introduction of a new show some anchor that sort of uh, lets us know when and where we are in relation to the rest of the MCU-verse. Yeah. And... We haven't got that yet, almost to a point that it's it's um, kind of um, obvious that we haven't mm-hmm. got anything. So I'm wondering, if is the sixth episode going to give us like a Final Destination 5-style twist where the denouement or some uh, uh, sort of post-credit sequence is going to be the anchor that recontextualizes everything that came before and that it was all leading to... That maybe this entire show takes place before the blip or it, it yeah, leads into something a, else. Do we have a timeline we don't, anchor? We don't we even have, have a timeline, have, do we? We yeah. have nothing, which is why maybe the twist or some sort of hook at the end of episode six is the thing that contextualizes a bigger sort of reveal or mm. a bigger element. Yeah. Um, and that could be cool. It could be just pointless fan service. But um, I know in, in Feige, we trust at this point. Yeah. Hey, John, let me ask you this. What uh, What are you confused about? What are your questions right now? What questions do you need episode six to answer for you? Uh, I think five finally got to a, a, some of it. Uh, but I was sort of confused, like, why Why does he have – is it two personalities or two literal entities possessing the same body? I think now it's mm, two sort personalities. of clear. It, yeah. It's just yeah. personalities, not actual <clears throat> beings. Yeah. Um, another thing I was confused about is, like, what's the deal with Moon Knight? Like, how did he get the powers? What are the powers? Like, how does that entire thing work? And we got a little bit of that explanation in 5 again, which – I think satiated enough that I'm like, okay, I, I okay, think Okay, so it. episode five did answer some of that stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. And then in five, I was like, wait, so is this, are they really on the, the ship of the dead or is he in a psychiatric ward? And for a while, I was like, I, I wasn't sure which was the dream and which and wasn't. And I love that. Yeah, that's and I'm great. Still, that's great And I'm still not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm leaning towards the ship of the dead is what we're really watching. Correct. And yeah. uh, the MCU was just like, yeah, no, the afterlife exists too. Why not? Yeah. Well, they have we to already go know there. That, they have to yeah. go there because they're developing this whole side of the MCU that deals with, you know, whether it be the Eternals or Blade yeah. or whatever. Like, it's going to deal with the idea of the afterlife and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And it's not like the MCU itself or, or Marvel even is like, this isn't new for them. I mean, pantheons mm-hmm. of gods, you know, Thor was what, the third or fourth movie, mm-hmm. you know, that right. we had in the, or fifth, I guess it was fifth, because I keep forgetting about Hulk. But, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, Thor, and then uh, Love and Thunder is going to bring in the Greek gods, you know? So, I mean, yeah, having all these different pantheons, you know, and the Egyptian gods are really cool, you know? Khonshu is, it's, it's fascinating seeing how he's kind of like Thor in a way. Khonshu is... He ha- he can have a temper tantrum, kind of like Thor can, you know. And you just realize that these gods are just spoiled. Yeah, you know? spoiled little children. Yeah, yeah, they're spoiled little children with, you know, universal powers, mm-hmm. and how terrifying that can be sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
I'm I, I do like the the implication. Um, I don't know if they'll touch upon it or make note of it again, but that if this takes place post Thanos, that there is a point in the Marvel universe where the Watcher, the Eternals, and all these Egyptian gods just watched that happen. Like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> They're all like all the. We're now inundated with all these like immortal overseers. That yeah. sort and and also uh, um, what's what's his in universe character name? Not Kang, but it's like the the guy at the end or the man at the end, whatever he's called. No. Oh, uh, uh, he kind of counts too. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Kang the Conqueror. His the like, who the, remains or something he, like that. Yeah, yeah. The man who remains. That's Kang the, the Conqueror, they, isn't it? It is Kang, they, but he has like a title. Like I see. he hasn't been. He, they haven't used the word Kang. Oh, I see. In, I see. I see. In universe. Uh, and they, I don't know, they, they, they probably will, but they haven't officially. Got it, got it. I see what uh, but it's mean. interesting yet that in, like, no, we've now established there's like four or five separate sets of immortal overseers that just watch humanity specifically um, to just let us destroy ourselves constantly, I guess, is the implication there. Just It doesn't and, matter if uh, half the universe is blipped. They're like, all right, that's fine. We're not going to interview. Not yet. And then uh, one of the biggest of them all is going to be revealed in uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, which I'm still. I, at. you know, it'd be nice if that were coming out soon. Oh, wait, it is. Uh, yeah. The that that movie is it has so much weight on its shoulders. I'm going to be very curious where yeah. we end up after that movie. I'm still baffled that that was supposed to come before Spider-Man. So, like, you know, there's there's just so much of my my brain that's trying to figure out what's going to happen in that movie and what it means going forward. It's obviously meant to open up a, a lot of storytelling doors, right? Probably for yeah. X-Men and Fantastic Four and yeah. those kind of things. But it also has to close some of those doors, I think, too. It can't leave everything open because then it just gets too muddy and messy, right? Like, it has to. it also has to kind of focus the the MCU to a point too, right? Like that just seems like a lot for one movie to try to accomplish once it's opened all those doors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh moving back to uh, Moon Knight, I want to talk about Ethan Hunt. Or Ethan Hunt Hawk. Ethan Hunt. We can talk about Ethan Hunt as well. Ethan, uh, yeah, Ethan Hunt, yeah. Just seeing him just run I think okay, you know got an early scene, trailer the, of Mission the scene in episode two where Moon Knight is being chased by the jackal. Mm-hmm. We should also have a cut of like uh Ethan Hunt running past him, like, you know, because <laughs> nice. everybody says Tom Cruise is the fastest runner, you know, to uh-huh. see him booking it past him. <clears throat> but no, sure Ethan Hawke's character is fascinating. I will always say the one for a villain to be totally, uh, like, for me to totally vibe with, like, a villain, like, oh, I'm going to love this villain in this movie, like, as a villain, not like, mm-hmm. you know, agree with them, you know, but like, I think they make the most compelling villains is the ones who think they're doing good. That's mm-hmm. why I love Thanos. Thanos thought he was helping. It was just this misguided sense of like a destiny, you know, mm-hmm. or is same thing here with, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke's character. Uh, I forget his name now. I'm sorry. Harrow. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Harrow. Yeah. His, um, his, uh, uh, dispensement of judgment and like yes we're making the world better you know like always i'll always think that villains who think they're helping are, are some of the most fascinating villains out there mm-hmm. yeah and of yeah course he, thinks, he thinks Ethan he's a uh, and he's uh, killing it he's <laughs> a moon night moon uh nirety report minority report minority yeah. report minority report yeah that's what yes 
Um, yeah, I it, appreciate the good word. <laughs> it even is, when it's not great, <laughs> even when it's fumbled. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, obviously he makes no sense and very immediately is like, yeah, also we're going, we, we think, you know, children are like a diseased arm. (laughs) It's like, and Steve is like, oh, in general, I find the killing of children to be problematic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Steve is so good. He's fun, man. He's He's so so fun and he's gone. And like, you know, I wonder. Do you think he'll come back? No, I don't. Because I think the the show is doing real like therapy work on the character of Mark. Like I I think that, you know, part of the whole balancing of the scales in episode five was understanding that he could be open to the entirety of his truth without having to separate himself, you know, into this other person. And I think the, the I could be I could be completely wrong. And maybe there'll be another kind of goodbye moment or something. But if the show is doing the legit uh, work, I think it's trying to do on the idea of disassociative uh, disorders. I, yeah. I don't think you can bring Stephen back and make it make sense in a health, uh, you know, kind of a way, in a thematic kind of a way. I really think mm. that that he has to understand that Stephen was. I mean, maybe he can imitate Stephen, but that, even that feels a little uh, a little weird. No, yeah. So. Um, right. But I could be, I so could you, be completely so you're, wrong. So you're predicting uh, Stephen is basically out of the show for the last time? I, be, I believe that Mark has made peace with the Stephen part of him being a part of his whole and not having to separate yeah. that. Yeah. Which is yeah. sad because I like Steve so much more than I like Mark. Well, here's what we have. Yeah. In, but here's what we have in the future is there is a third separation that we have not met yet. It has been uh, hinted yeah, at is. in uh, there was... If nothing else, that tomb that was shaking when they were in the afterlife that we know, I, I think mm. we know another Mark is in there. Yeah. Uh, we know that person has come out and neither of them knew who it was. Uh, yeah. So there there will continue to be the disassociative stuff, but I don't think it can be with Steven anymore. Um, yeah, because so. there was that, uh, there was a, I think it was the episode in like the first episode where we're actually in Egypt, you know, like mm-hmm. we're seeing like them walk around Egypt. Like, there are times when, like, uh, Steven goes, like, he does the the blackout, and then he wakes up, and people are, you know, dead and stuff. And Mark says, that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a third personality we have not met yet. Yeah. At least. At least. And maybe, you know, At least one more, yeah. Maybe that's that's kind of the thing from here on, on out. But I will, I will miss Steven. He was a lot of fun and really yeah. interesting and said bruv a lot, which I always think is fun. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, any other... He was a very adorable character. <laughs> he really sure. was. He really is. Uh, any other thoughts on Moon Knight before we uh, move on to our second review? I think I mentioned it quickly, the, the production design, especially the costumes. I don't know um, anything about the Source comic, but both versions of the Moon Knight suit, uh, both like really the cool. white tailor yeah. three-piece yeah. and like the the mummified like wraps and the way it comes up around his face. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, that's just, that has nothing to do with cinema. That's all just like theme park ride, you know, fanboy mm-hmm. uh, service. Uh, but I appreciate it. And it looked super cool. And when you can make something look super cool... Uh, that goes a long way for for properties like yeah. this, certainly. Yeah, in the especially comic, when you can pack in like this really deep ethos about you know personalities and trauma and childhood um, you know uh, suppression that you're trying to get over. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a worthy story here. It took a few episodes to get to, but really excited to see what how they finish it up. Yeah, Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman. 
Which is ironic, you know, because he's all cloaked in white as opposed to Batman who's cloaked in darkness. Mm. While at the same time, you one could argue <clears throat> uh, Mark's origin story is darker in some ways than uh, I think so. Bruce Wayne's. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Also, also, Moon Knight does have supernatural powers, yes. Uh, yes. which which Batman doesn't. But but yeah, no, I see what you're talking about as far as origin and kind of where the the uh, the pathos comes from. Uh, I guess I would final uh, the final thing we can talk about is maybe how we rank stuff. This is the sixth uh, Marvel TV show on Disney Plus. Uh, I mentioned it will probably be my first um, right now if things continue as I think they will. I'll have Moon Knight yeah. 1, WandaVision 2, Loki 3, Hawkeye 4, uh, What If 5, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier 6. Um, what about you guys? <clears throat> so for the Falcon Soldier at 6, that's... doesn't mean I hate it. Yet. It's just, you know... I like I, that one. I, I like yeah. the I think, they've um, all been good. I think they've, they've all been good. good. I really do. Yeah. I think I would slot Hawkeye first. I think because it was the most grounded and it didn't mm-hmm. have any superpowers, I actually enjoyed that the most. Uh, then WandaVision, then probably... Uh, Moon Knight, then the Winter Falcon, and then uh, Loki, and then I guess What If last, mm-hmm. right? Am I missing one, or is there another one? No, that's right. I think yeah. it's all of them. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I, did, I didn't love Winter Loki Soldier that over much. What If. What If is just an interesting animal. It's just it's kind of its own. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was the anthology aspect that I was. That ironically, I'm I'm always a big fan of episodic programming yeah. that doesn't require these like multi-hour binge sessions. Right. But there was yeah. something so disconnected in a series that heretofore has been so deeply connected mm-hmm. that I was like, I I don't know, should I care about the zombies if they're never going to factor back into anything? Right. And um, they did eventually, but not in a way that I felt was super satisfying. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew. I would probably put Moon Knight right now at my number one. I think I really would. Uh, then Loki, because I think even as bonkers as uh, Moon Knight is, I think Loki was even crazier, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I would go with WandaVision. Then Hawkeye, just because that that camaraderie between Yelena Mm -hmm. and uh, and, uh, Kate was just so good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, like that's a friendship I just want to watch forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I need more Yelena. She is quickly becoming one of my favorite oh, she'll be MCU characters. Yeah, she'll be in the quickly movies. Become. She'll be in more shows. Yeah, she's. Yeah. She's a star. Um, yeah. After that, probably What If, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay, so we're all fairly similar. Yeah, there. which I love them all. You know, actually, you know what? I lied. Uh, switch Falcon and Winter Soldier with What If. I'll put What If at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I might make that switch too. Uh, All right, there you go. There's some thoughts on Moon Knight. Uh, Maybe we'll do some brief thoughts after we've seen the finale at some point. Uh, Maybe for our Sif Pop members, um, we might do that. Uh, All right, let's move on to the second review. Let's talk about The Survivor. Harry Heft, I'm a journalist. I covered your fight. I'm interested in your story. Everybody knows my story. I'm the survivor of Auschwitz. Fight until one man can no longer get up. Hands up! Hands up! My girl from back home, she doesn't know that I'm alive. But if my name is in the papers, I've only fight Marciano. 
I will plaster your story all over the East Coast. Harry Haft is a boxer who fought fellow prisoners in the concentration camps to survive. Haunted by the memories and his guilt, he attempts to use high-profile fights against boxing legends like Rocky Marciano as a way to find his first love again. Uh, Harry Haft uh, is a real person. This is based on a real story, um, and Ben Foster steps in um, to uh, to take the the lead role here uh, with several others around him. Um, I think this is HBO Max release only. I don't know that it's it's probably in a couple theaters just in case there's awards consideration. Um, I think it was actually uh, released a, a festival. I want to say TIFF or something else could be. last fall. Yes, that is, pro- that is probably correct. Um, so yeah. what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or was just okay? Andrew, you get to go first this time. <laughs> it's interesting because this is one of those movies where the second I stopped watching, I'm like, oh, I loved it. But then the more I thought about it, you know, like, yeah, okay, but yeah, that really didn't make sense. Or, oh, I didn't like the way that they did that. So I'm going to go with... Uh, high to middling side of liked it. Okay, middle to high side of liked it. Uh, John, what about you? I probably come at probably around the same spot. I just kind of middle of liked it. You know, I'm gonna yeah. be the one. Right down the middle. I'm gonna be the one that says it's just okay. Um, I yeah. I think probably even just right in the middle of okay, not even high side of okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Did I not say that? I meant just okay. <laughs> right in the middle. That's what I that's what I meant to say. Uh, I convinced you that yeah, quickly. Yeah, it was huh? okay. I didn't even have to say anything. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is certainly a, a movie you watch and go, "Oh, I feel like I'm supposed to love this because it's about something so tragic and powerful and just a part of our history." Where no matter what movie goes back and explores it, you're just like, "Okay, I'm learning more. I'm I'm finding more." ways into the trauma of our history and learning about who we are as human beings and how we what we can do to be different or be better all that stuff is here and so i think there is that inkling that first inkling of okay this is a movie that that you know we need to like um but uh there's enough on the negative side of this one that i'm just gonna say this is just okay um andrew you seem to like it more than us uh talk talk a little bit about why well, okay, if I'm talking pros, uh, I'll get to performances in a second, but the flashbacks to Auschwitz are some of the most haunting and terrifying things, like, since Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, it's some of the most, like, hum- what is what is humanity, like, uh, come right. to, like, this just truly barbaricness. I'm, I'm glad you were affected by it because I felt like it was it was just like discount Schindler's List. It was like let's shoot it in Ooh. black and white, let's just let's show the same kind of shots again through the barbed wire of like naked bodies being stacked into mass graves. I, I don't know. I'm just a callous heel at this point because I was like, eh, I don't really feel anything. No, um, I, I, I think me. it it, it, I, it did feel like they were just trying to evoke emotion by cribbing from the worst thing ever um, without actually diving into the emotional. Um, sort of essence of what that was or why it mattered. Like there's a scene late in the film where Ben Foster is reminiscing about having to fight one of his friends. And I was thinking like, it would have been cool if we knew who this friend was. 
But he said to we us, did. like, this is a friend. We didn't. I, I don't know that I cared about their relationship though. Oh, like, they I see had what a you're saying. Scenes. I see what you're saying. I see what you're like, saying. Like they didn't develop enough for me to be like, oh, up enough to like right, if right. that that scene works better if the camera sort of is on his face and it spins around and we see the person on the other side of the boxing rink and we're all like, oh no. But it was yeah. like, oh wait, that's right. I remember that guy from an hour ago. It just didn't have the same effect because I didn't care about anyone else in those scenes except him. So yeah. obviously mm-hmm. I'm rooting for him to succeed, and I and we know he's going to get out because it, it's told in flashback. But um, yeah, I, I feel like all the black and white Holocaust stuff was uh, I don't know hampered to me for those reasons. But I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Andrew here and say that it was a pro for me. I I, I just I think the movie definitely treated it with um, respect and all. Oh, I I, and, I agree there. Yeah, and but but didn't shy away from the reality of it and um but i am also the kind of person that's like we need to look trauma in the face we need to deal we need to deal with that um i and i continue not to be desensitized to it in a way that that i i find myself connecting to it um and putting myself in that situation and i thought the movie did did a fine job with that so yeah uh andrew continue on with some of uh, your pros okay performances i mean one of these days, Ben Foster is going to win an Oscar. I mean, he's so good. He's so good. It's insane. It's he. It's... He, he has the ability to transform <clears throat> and be totally unrecognizable, and he does it like three different times in this movie. He he does like a castaway style weight loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the flashbacks, uh, he yeah. is he is gaunt in the mm-hmm. camps as as well. He should. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. nobody yeah. in Auschwitz, I think, probably weighed more than a buck fifty. Like you. Were, you were starved for months at a time, Bucket and then in the old generous, stuff, yeah, yeah. But then in all of the the Brooklyn stuff in the forties, fifties, and sixties, he's uh, he's it's pretty pudgy. He put on a little weight, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate it. The, the character transformation is is telling. And I don't I don't speak uh, Polish too well, but I, f- I felt like his accent felt really authentic. And everything felt authentic to me. He, I yeah. was Great. I was blown away by the performance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, he's so good. Uh, I'm going to throw out a con, actually, really quick. Sure. We're talking about uh, flashbacks and stuff like that. I don't like how one story is told linearly and the other one isn't. That was super frustrating. That really was frustrating for me. And it was pointless, too. It was pointless, yeah. Yep, I agree. I think if you want the the Auschwitz stuff to really be impactful... Show it linearly. Don't skip ahead and show like what what's going on and stuff with like Billy Magnuson and stuff. Who, by the way, Billy Magnuson is was just born to play like an eerie person. He has these He's intense eyes that mm-hmm. you know, like that just penetrate your soul. Uh, I thought he was really good in this movie too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you need to show this that stuff linearly. Because then, like the like you said earlier, the, the fight with the friend and stuff that becomes more impactful, you know. Uh, there's well, yeah, the co- fact that they showed that out of sequence was like, wait a minute. I, we last scene we saw him, he had escaped. Yeah. Now we're yeah, back yeah. to him in the fighting. Like, yeah. It. it I, I understand the importance and certainly effectiveness of having two parallel threads: one flashback, one present day. But the movie also opens in 1963, so everything is a flashback from that point that we catch up to in like the third act. So it's. There's yeah. like this bookend framing in the 60s and then the 1950s stuff. And then within that, cross-cutting out of order from the 1940s. It was too many disparate timelines that, honestly, you could have told the entire thing chronologically and it would have been better. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I will go so far as to say, and this was my thought upon finishing the movie, I think the structure of this movie in many ways, uh, especially the way you're talking about, is its downfall. I think yeah, I think yeah. it destroys the movie. Um, I think there's some – this is obviously a powerful life. It's a life that's in, in would be interesting to, to know about and to see and was, but the structural choices uh, that were made I think were made because they wanted this to primarily be a love story. And it's not a boxing movie. And it's no, not really. But it thought it was a boxing movie for a while. For the and, first half, it thought it was a boxing movie. And but then and after the, that, you realize that none of that mattered. Well, you the movie tricks you into thinking it's a boxing movie, right? This yeah. is part of the structure I'm talking about. And mm. you get to the big, you know, Rocky Mar- Mar- Marciano fight, like the big fight, the big moment. And there's 40 minutes left, and you're going, oh wait, I, I guess it's not a boxing movie. Oh, that's yeah. right. Maybe it was about this. Ro- like, it's just the structure is mind-bogglingly confusing here. Um, so, yeah. I, I think if you structure this um, like Castaway, where we spend a lot of time with him in the camps in the first hour, yeah. or maybe even a lot of time with his first girlfriend for 20 minutes, then the camps for an hour, and then just the back 30 minutes is the boxing part, part of the movie where he's trying to gain notoriety so he can reconnect. But doing the, 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 the two different threads simultaneously, it robs both of their effectiveness because we kind of, it's a foregone conclusion where I, they're going to go. Also, and in, in, there are certainly plenty of people who disagree, I think you kind of have to change the reality of the situation to make the, ro- the romance part of it match up more with the boxing part of it. I think those two have to feel like they are culminating at the same time. And you, right. you may have to change some of the truth to what really happened in the real world to get the essence of so, what you're so trying to get, say. So we get movie. we get the rocky the rocky moment where he wins or he loses the match and he wins the girl at the same time. Right. And and by the way this you know I I guess we're kind of spoiling some things here but this isn't about it's him true winning. story. It, yeah, that's true. I mean, uh it isn't about him winning the girl necessarily, but it is but that part of it does seem to be what the movie wants the main focus to be. That's where it culminates for the movie. Um, right. So if you're going to do that, I just think you have to be – you have to understand what you're doing to your audience when you present it as you know, him doing these boxing – like it's just – yeah, it's it's so muddled. There was this, It's a very compelling true story, and I feel like the way they told it uh, just it's at every turn – Yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, took its own legs out every step of the way. But individually – the, the individual scenes, moments, and vignettes were so effective. Uh, there's a moment at the end, I don't want to spoil more than we already have, uh, where, where Ben Foster sits down and has a conversation with somebody. And it's just, that's really powerful stuff. And I, and I wanted to live in that moment a little longer. I felt that yeah. was beautifully acted. Everything he had opposite Billy um, as the Nazi officer, where they're sort of coming to terms with their relationship, where he is powerless to do anything, even when he isn't powerless to do something. Because he knows he's sort of beholden to this Nazi and his, uh, I don't know, leash, for lack of a better word. He's like a he pet. Knows if, if I Yeah, if I go along with his orders, I at least have a chance of survival. Whereas otherwise, I definitely won't. And that sort of master-slave relationship was really compelling. And I love their individual scenes. I would have liked if it was just a 20-minute section in sequence and then we moved from it. But um, kind of sporadically told out of order was another way to do it. Uh, but yeah, individually, he was great. And all the arguments he had with... Um, I forget her name, but the, uh, Vicky Kripes, mm-hmm. I think she looks like Joan Allen. Yeah. Um, she, uh, all the scenes they had uh, together were, were perfect as well. I thought they were they played off each other so well. And there's that sort of um, 
that really uh, that trepidation between them yeah. as they sort of begin a relationship. They're neither one is sure about all all great moments, but yeah, the culmination was just not kind of stacked correctly. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of it also is the fact that you're dealing with a movie that's trying to tell you how several different people uh, impacted his journey, right? You've got the yeah. Billy Magnuson character. You've got the Vicky Crepes character. Uh, you've got the reporter character, Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, you've got the um, the brother. And you've got the trainer, John Leguizamo and Danny DeVito kind of in that role as well. So you've yeah. got all these different people who are circling around. And instead of us getting a chance to really spend time with them as they're impacting his life chronologically, we're jumping to each of them. And so we're having to shift. Oh, now I'm uh, what. So what was his relationship right. to this person? And where are we in this story? And yeah. oh, now we're back with Vicky Crepes. And um, oh, yeah, they're falling in love. And, and it's just like uh, it, it just it's. For your viewer, you have to put yourself in your viewer's mind. Yes, you understand the story you're telling. You've been through it a million times. You know how it all makes sense and how it all goes together. But we're trying to piece it together as we go, and it's just you're jumping all over the place. If I was a movie director, I would never do nonlinear storytelling <laughs> just because there's so many instances where it just doesn't work. You know? well, it's one of the beautiful and things about The Northman, right, that came out last week. It's just a linear story. You know, yeah. it's not jumping around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to say quickly, uh, Aaron, you mentioned the possibly sort of cheating the the timeline and or the true events a bit for dramatic purposes. And mm -hmm. I think combining Leguizamo and Danny DeVito into a single character would have benefited. Mm -hmm. uh, they're both such iconic uh, character actors in cinema yeah. that having both of them in, in effectively the same role as a sort of mentor coach felt redundant. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how either one of them served the story uniquely from the other. Yeah. And I kind of like just give just give us Danny DeVito and have him, you know, steal all of Leguizamo's lines. And you I think you have a more focused film where he can actually have a relationship with one because I didn't feel like he had a relationship with them. I don't feel like he learned anything the way that Rocky learned, um, you know, from Mickey. I, I did not get that at all. There's there, you know, it feels like they want the theme of this to be how the simplest the the simplest version of love can sustain survival, right? Like that seems to be what they want the main theme to be. The idea that that the power of human relationship can, you know, uh But they didn't they didn't establish that relationship at the beginning it, of the movie. They they started with them getting ripped apart from each other. And 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 everything they're trying to do with the boxing stuff has nothing to do with that. You know, um yeah. so it's just like a distraction right, from Right. So because then it's not about survival, then it's about a quest to find. Those are two different things, right? Like, yeah. so yeah. I, I think you open this movie with an upstyle montage of them falling in love as teenagers, and you see the meet cute. You see them fall in love. You see their first kiss. Then you see them ripped away with the Nazis, and then it's like, okay, I want to go back to this happy spot. So there is something mm -hmm. to aim towards, but they they wanted to keep it sort of a mystery for I, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. The I think that could have been like the biggest catalyst for us as a viewer to be like engaged if we had mm. a set reason and understanding of who these two were before th being thrown into the concentration yeah. camps and why and why uh, ben foster is fighting literally to find her you know yeah like if we understood we're just that told love, we, we were only basically told like oh yeah no yeah, i us. love her okay i'll take your word on that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I don't have anything else. Uh, I think we kind of covered this one. Do you guys have any final thoughts on the survivor? 
Um, there's there's a, a truly like breathtaking greatest like one of the greatest stories ever told buried in this mess of a movie and it's unfortunate yeah yeah and i i I think that the the heart of the dramatic uh uh, pathos of this film is uh, a jewish holocaust survivor who had to literally box his own friends to death to get out Mm -hmm. that is just such a tragic heartbreaking like unfathomable story and the movie just sort of like glosses over it mm-hmm. as like a means to an end and i i wish they spent so much more time yeah on that part of the story because those were the most powerful moments where yeah. he's forced to literally choke his friend out yeah because he knows it's it's you or me and i hate this and i don't want this but there's i do not have a choice yeah and that sort of lack of choice that was i think the heart of this film and they they touch on it briefly but uh, it, it left me just disappointed that, like, there was a much better story here that was left, like, unexplored. There you go. That is The Survivor. It is on HBO Max. Before we get into the Best Ever Challenge, a reminder that Sif Pop is supported by Sif Pop members at Patreon. Uh, if you're curious about that, interested in that, want to know kind of what are some of the fun thank yous that we send out to our members, that kind of stuff, Go to patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, I think the one of the primary uh, fun things we do is we record extra content for our Sift Pop members. Uh, and we recorded our summer movie draft. Uh, the three of us uh, drafted the movies we think are going to make the most money this summer. If that's something you're curious about hearing, if that's something you're interested in, go check out all the details at patreon.com slash siftpop. Uh, at certain levels, you get your own podcast feed without the ads and with the bonus episodes all there in one place just for you, the Sif Pop member. That is at patreon.com slash Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, let's move into the best ever challenge, uh, a tenuous thread uh, to our movies. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard makes an appearance in the It's very tenuous. Is there a reason we didn't just do Ben Foster movies? Has that already been ranked on the show? I looked at Ben Foster movies. Uh, There aren't a lot of them um, to really... We we kind of talked about Hell or High Water, The Contractor, uh Get Over. This guy's been in a lot of great stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and we'd all have the exact same... Get Over, it's not great. (laughs) We'd all have the exact same list because there's only like five movies to choose from. Maybe. Sarsgaard was even a little close to that, but I thought there were uh, might be enough variety in our list to... uh, to go with best ever Peter Sarsgaard. I think so. Peter, Pete, Peter Sarsgaard is one of those actors who's great in everything he does, even the really bad movies. <laughs> like, it's a if, if it's a really bad movie, I can go, yeah, but Peter Sarsgaard was good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so. so we'll do best ever. Plus, I met him recently, so he was fresh in my oh. fresh in my brain. Oh, nice. Was he, um, was he nice? Please say he was nice. He was extremely nice. I met him Incredible. and Maggie uh, Gyllenhaal at the Lost Daughter uh, press conference and uh, awesome. talked to him for a while. Um, so, yeah. Cool dude. Cool dude. Uh, all right. We'll go number right five on. to number one. Um, I will kick us off. My number five best ever movie that has Peter Sarsgaard in it is Night and Day. Um, I think this is a fairly underrated comedy. I think it's really, really it good. Is. I wish it's I wish good. I wish Tom Cruise would do more stuff like this. Um, I think he's really good in this role, and uh, and I'm excited. He's kind of been wrapped up in these giant, big mm-hmm. budget event tent poles, right. and it's like it's it's okay, Tom, to do like a movie that only takes you three months instead of a year and a half. Like. Right? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Night and Day is a criminally overlooked action comedy, and they don't really make those anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think the it all relies on chemistry and the chemistry between him and Cameron Diaz is just great. You know, the way yeah. they play off of each other is yeah. brilliant. Yep. Uh, so Night in Day is my number five. John, what do you got? Uh, Dead Man Walking. Oh. This is a, a film. Uh, full disclosure for my list. <clears throat> there's a few of these movies I haven't seen in a long time and I don't remember very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter Sarsgaard is not the lead in this. I can't remember who he plays, mm-hmm. but I do remember enjoying the film. Uh, Sean Penn is brilliant in this. I want to say um, Susan Sarandon's husband, Tim Robbins, directed. I totally forgot Dead to trump you on this, by the way. I have this on my list oh. list as well. So right. we'll, well, then let's talk about it. Maybe you can refresh my memory. We'll, we'll, on ca- it, we'll continue let. this conversation in a bit. Andrew, what do you got at okay. number five? This is where I have the man in the iron mask. It's a good movie. Haven't haven't seen this one yet. Please tell us. I mean, it it's 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 good. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and anything he does. I'm I'm a sucker. Uh, Jeremy Irons is really why I'm just like, oh, I love this guy. Actually, mm-hmm. a lot of the people in this movie are just like they're so charismatic and fun. It's an interesting retelling of the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. With you know the man in the iron mask and uh, uh, in this movie Leonardo DiCaprio is a great hero and also a great villain, you know. Yeah. Playing two different characters, you know, it's it's a good it's it's a it's a you will not be disappointed having watched it, but you won't. I don't think you'll walk away going, "Oh, that movie was amazing." You know, some people might. Some people yeah. might. Uh, yeah, this is in my honorable mentions. Uh, worth a watch, John, if you get a chance. Um, I'm not saying it's going to blow your mind, uh, but, yeah. it's, but it's decent enough that you'll have a good time. So You, you know me. My, my bar for recommendations is movie exists. It's on the list. Get it on the letterbox list. Uh, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is I, think what, to... I think what Aaron and I are saying is we know you have like 4,000 movies on your list. Correct. Correct. No need just, to bump just... this to the top. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Correct. It's It shuffles based on the, my headlines. And like if I read something about someone, like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to watch the movie that touched upon this subject. I'll throw that on. 
So it just kind of happens. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they'll just get moved up. Yeah. Uh, all right. On to my number four. Uh, yes. This is where I have Black Mass. Um, this is the Johnny Depp movie where he plays Whitey Bulger. And yeah. uh, and you've got uh, Joel Edgerton in there, Dakota Johnson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, and Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, I liked this more than most. I think I remember most people were just like, this is kind of lame. I think it may be one of Johnny Depp's best performances. I think he's yeah. pretty incredible in it. Um, and I thought the movie was well told. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed Black Mass. Um, so it's only I, been 2015. So that's just a few years ago. I remember when the trailer for this movie came out and it was like mm. one of the most haunting and shocking trailers like I'd ever seen. The trailer mm. for this movie is basically that dinner scene where he's like talking about the family recipe for the steak. Mm. He's like, mm -hmm. so you gave up your family secret just like that, you know, Yeah. which in the movie is like one of the most like bone chilling, mm -hmm. eerie scenes. I think that this movie relies too much on how good Johnny Depp is. Yeah. I think that the actual storytelling itself is a bit of a mess. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the prosthetics are, like, otherworldly good. And Johnny Depp's transformation into Whitey Bulger is unrecognizable. Yeah. There you go. Black Mass in my number four. Good John, pick. what do you got good at number pick. four? Uh, another movie I don't remember super well, but I did enjoy The Magnificent Seven. I'm going to trump reboot. you again. My job is just to trump you every single time <laughs> oh, around, John. Oh, everyone. Uh, Andrew, uh, what do you have at number four? Uh, Pawn Sacrifice. Oh, interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if that I've heard seen this. of this. This is, I haven't even heard of it. This is Tobey Maguire and... Uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chess Peter, movie. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, Toby Maguire is actually pay, playing uh, Bobby Fischer. Oh yeah, I've seen. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an interesting movie, and I like how this was Queen's Gambit before there was Queen's Gambit. How I don't know why this is, but apparently uh, chess players, like high high level chess players, kind of have a lot of mental baggage because you know they're having to think three four five 15 steps ahead of everything mm -hmm. that that kind that it, in a in a way affects their their personal life and kind of makes them paranoid because they're always have that mentality of trying to you know think ahead and yes bobby fisher himself did have a lot of demons besides you know like uh you know the that playing chess but uh, i think that he's good in this movie i think leif schreiber is good in this movie um, yeah, if you liked Queen's Gambit, I think that you would have a pretty good time watching Pawn Sacrifice. I remember, I, I remember enjoying it just fine. It just completely evaporated from my brain the second I saw it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. The reason why I was so stoked on it is because, uh, it's actually directed by, uh, uh, uh Edward Zwick, who's one of my favorite directors. Oh, nice. Did Last Samurai, did Blood Diamond. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorites. Nice. Blood Diamond is very... Under, I mean, he didn't direct uh, Blood Diamond, sorry. Or, or did he? It doesn't matter. It's still yeah. a great film. <laughs> yeah. I love Edward Zwick. Yeah. Does not change my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, right on to our number threes. Uh, this is where we get to talk about The Magnificent Seven. I have it at number three. John has it yeah. at number four. I think this is underrated. I think this movie is really fun. Um, I, I think it's as good as the original. No, oh, I, I will fight you. <laughs> I don't know if that's a blasphemous thing to say. I think it is. I think it's blasphemous, yes. Uh, 
I enjoyed both. I I prefer Yul Brenner to whomever plays him in the new one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I watched both of them like the same week back when this came out in 2016. I, I really liked both. I thought I thought the new one had a good style and like a slick, gritty sheen to it. But mm-hmm. the original certainly had that like bravado that you can't replicate in modern cinema. Yeah, yeah. I think this movie is a ton of fun. I yeah. like it. Just yeah. I just remember having a really good time watching it. I love the the diversity of characters in this one. I think that that would be the biggest pro over the original one. I think, you know, the original, well, I, I say original, which I don't mean seven samurai. I mean, magnificent seven. <laughs> yeah. But, right, uh, right. Um, but I think in the original one, I, I think that one of the things people could argue is that every other member was kind of like almost cookie cutter of everyone else. They just had a little bit of a different skill. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the diversity and uh, the people, in yeah. the Magnificent Seven is good in this one. Yep. Ethan Hawke, again, Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. playing just a super amazing character with a lot of darkness in him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that bear was wearing people clothes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I-, I love a lot of the characters in this movie. I don't Was think this on it's... your top five, Andrew? I didn't even... No, it's, it was number six. It was like my first oh, okay, okay. mention. But uh, I can't... in good western faith put it above the original one so but it is yeah. no, that's that's fair yeah i came into westerns late in life i didn't watch basically my third western until i was 30 so i don't have sort of that childhood nostalgia or reverence for some of the big classics yeah. um and i i certainly appreciate a lot of that i love a good good yeah. john ford western but uh yeah i prefer seven samurai over both of these but yeah um uh, in my house, you were required to watch a Western before you did your homework. So yep. it was one of <laughs> those good. households. So it's good nice. stuff. Uh, John, what do you have at number three? Now, this is a movie I remember because I watched it two nights ago. The Batman. Oh. Uh, Trump. Yeah, I, fig- okay. I figured. I figured it's in my honorable mentions. Um, <sighs> yeah. Uh, all right, Andrew. Uh, we we have kept our streak of trumping every single thing John has thrown at us. No. Um, but uh, what do you have at number three? Jarhead. Oh, interesting. Haven't seen this one either. <laughs> I'm not able to trump your picks because I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> I have, have you seen, seen it? Have you have you seen Full Metal Jacket? Yes. You've seen Jarhead. Yes. Okay. Honestly, okay. Uh, and that's not a dig at the movie, but literally, that's what the movie is supposed to be. It's literally supposed to be. A full Metal Jacket if it took place in Desert Storm. Yeah, right. That's the movie. There's The first half is boot camp. The second half is in Desert Storm. And, like, every single movie, like, moment that you would expect from Full Metal Jacket, it's Jarhead. But I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal in this. I think he's really good. And uh, Peter Sarsgaard plays, like, his... his uh, partner like they're snipers and they're like the, the one's the spotter and one's the actual shooter and stuff it, it it's really good and jamie fox is charismatic as always it's it's good it's good if you like full metal jacket yeah i remember thinking it was okay um but i mean you know war movies aren't necessarily my thing so um but uh but yeah it's uh jake gyllenhaal is something else man he's he's quite an actor yeah, I, I think the guy has a future in acting. I, think I, so. I wouldn't. I think you're right. Past him. Aha. Is 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 Jarhead how um, uh, Maggie and um, Peter got together? Oh, interesting thought. I didn't even because they got that. married. They got married in 2006, which is like a year and a half after this movie would have been filmed. Mm, Fascinating. And I think maybe I think maybe Jake was like, 
bring bring my sister to work day, and maybe that's all. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm just throwing that could out be. there. Could be. I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's on record. Real, somewhere movie how sets they met. are famous for bring your sister to work day. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know that's probably very likely. Uh, all right, uh, Andrew, what is your number? Oh, we just did your number three. Yeah, that was Jarhead. Okay, so, one, yeah. Oh, right, because we trumped John. Of course we did. Yeah. Uh, all right, on to number two. <laughs> this is where we get to talk about Dead Man Walking, John. I have it at my number yeah. two. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, it, this it has been a while since this movie. It is any movie you watch from this era is going to have things cinematically that don't necessarily age as well. But the story is really compelling. The performances are really good. Uh, it's very meaningful. There's some real, uh, you know, um, uh, end of life compassion stuff in this that I really like. Um, so yeah, Dead Man Walking. Um, Has Tim Robbins directed any other movies? Yes, right. I'll look it up. But why do you ask? I think he. Ha- I think he has, but not many. Um, I don't know if this is his directorial debut, but I know Tim is certainly well known as an actor, but uh, mm-hmm. not as a director. And this was he wanted to get his wife in front of the lens, and he got a two-time Academy Award winner, or I guess just zero time at the time. Uh, Sean Penn in front as well, and yeah, they they play off each other excellently. Uh, I recall there being a, a, a solid Springsteen song in the credits that uh, worked pretty well. He did Cradle um, of Rock, and uh, that was it. Yeah, it was. Um, Oh, Bob Susan Roberts. Sarandon's performance won her the Academy Award for Best Actress. That's that's something right there. When you when your wife wins the Oscar for your mm-hmm. direction, that's yeah. a good collaboration. That'll work. I'm, I'm I'm a sucker for good prison films and prison adjacent films, and I think the yeah getting into the mindset and the personality of someone um, that's been sentenced to death that's mm-hmm. a very fascinating. That you, because we we we're regular people. We don't know anyone on death row. I hope. Um, so I I like movies that kind of show us into the mind of a character that's just so far removed yeah. from yeah. something we would be. So the answer the answer is he his directorial debut was Bob Roberts. Uh, yeah. Then he directed Dead Man Walking, and then he directed um, Cradle Will Rock. Cradle Will Rock. So those are the three movies he directed, um, and then he's directed some TV uh, since then. But all right, fair but enough. There you go. Um, all right, on to your number two, John. Can we make it four for four? Uh, almost probably certainly not. Uh, this pick um, is only here because of recency bias. Again, I watched it recently uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal with uh, pretty much only him. Uh, this is The Guilty. Oh. This is that 911 call center movie where Jake is just answering phone calls the whole film, trying to stop a, a, a crime or a kidnapping. And I think Peter Sarsgaard is one of the callers. Yeah. And he has a brief. It's like a voice-only role. He's probably only in it for like three or four minutes. This kind of barely qu- uh, qualifies. But um, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was, again, a movie I remember better than some of the other picks on this list. So, uh, yeah, The Guilty. I had a good it's time with bad. that. I think it was it's much better than the Halle Berry version, The Call, from a few years prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think guilt- this, was, this was a great example of like how to do COVID production. If you're locked down, you have to stay social distance. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a great example because this was filmed during lockdown. This was filmed in yeah. 2020. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, this is a great example of doing what you can with what you have. And Jake is just such a phenomenal performer. I, I It's criminal he hasn't gotten nominated yet yeah. for anything. He's never been, even been nominated. He should have been wild. nominated for Nightcrawler, yeah. Um, he should have won for Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie, The Guilty, is actually a remake of a Danish film. Everybody go and watch the Danish version. It's a trillion times better. I have heard you say that, and it's on my list. Yeah. I am, uh, I've been meaning to go check that yeah. out. 
Alrighty. So that is your. Hey, John got to talk. You got to. You got to. You got to talk, John. Well done. Uh, don't, it, don't act like that's rare. I, and, I eat it most Andrew, of the time. what is your number two? <laughs> My number two uh, is written, directed, starring Zach Braff. Let's go with hmm. Garden State. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen this one either. <laughs> Garden That's State four for is four. phenomenal. I adore this movie. It has one of the best soundtracks of like any movie ever. I'm talking mm. The Shins, Death Cab for Cuties, Zero Seven, Frau Frau. I mean, he he uh, he scored this movie based on like his dream like a uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um it's a beautiful love story. Natalie Portman kills it, obviously. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard playing the friend. It's kind of a coming of age, also, but also it's a uh, c- coming home to face your demons sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Like, a, well, I, I know there's a term for it, but like, a, if you leave like your, you know, your childhood like town for a long time, and then you come back and you see everybody mm-hmm. who you know you used to grow up with and how they've changed and how you've changed and stuff like that that's that's what this movie is it's it's so good i love this movie a lot yeah i remember this came out the week before i went to college and when i when i showed up uh, on campus everyone was talking about it because we yeah. were all 18 year olds and this movie sort of played into that coming of age yep high school college mentality and uh, i had wanted to see it that week but i was so busy like signing up for classes and learning my way around boston that i Never got around to it, and that was a long time ago. Seventeen years, <laughs> haven't got back. To it. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. I mean, you can look yeah. at the picture that we have on our. If you're watching the YouTube video, you just see how young Zach Braff and Natalie Portman are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very nice. Uh, I think it's time for our number ones. Um, yeah, mine is possibly recency bias. I don't know. I love this movie. I think it's really incredibly done. I have the Lost Daughter. Uh, at number one, um, this was super good. I really, really enjoyed it? it. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's <laughs> first directing um, outing, and I think she shows a lot of skill uh, with crafting a story. I think Olivia Col- Coleman is spectacular. I think Dakota Johnson is spectacular. Um, man, I really like this movie. It, this is a hard one to watch, though. Yeah, it was. There's yeah. some difficult stuff in there. It like the. The, it captures this emotion of like hating your own children. Mm-hmm. That's a little. It's a little too on the nose, and you feel kind of guilty about it when you have these emotions against your own offspring. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you, I created you, and I, at some points, you make me really, really. Well, that's. But it's it's it, but it's important and it's hard. And I I didn't love the movie, but I I appreciated the performances immensely, and the direction I thought was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I liked this enough, uh, and I and I definitely understand why you have it at the top of your list. I think but. I think for me the thing you're talking about with the difficulty, uh, there's a fearlessness to what uh, Gyllenhaal is is going for here in regards, especially to the female experience um, yes. that yes. you just don't see in a lot of movies. And oh she's yeah, that's what I loved about it. Olivia Coleman to be messy. You know, to be unlikable, and yet at the same time, you know, we're trying to find relatable. There, there are there are certainly several moments of this movie that feel like a like a thriller, like a, almost like a you know, there's suspense horror stuff going on in in some of these scenes, and it's it's just I don't know. I found it really captivating um, in that way. I agree. So, there you go. Uh, your number one, John. Uh, this is where I have an education. 
This is a movie um, that I remember almost nothing about, except for the fact that Peter Sarsgaard is actually starring in this one. <laughs> That's unlike, right. I think every unlike other movie. every owner, single other movie. <laughs> this is one he actually has the lead in, uh, and it's about his courtship of a much younger woman, I, I believe played by Carrie Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they're both fantastic in it. It's a period piece. He slips into that role so effortlessly, and he has this like charming charisma that makes him a likable character, even though he's kind of doing this... Kind of shady stuff of, again, of like grooming this much younger. I think she plays a teenager in the movie. I don't remember it explicitly. Mm-hmm. I got to go back and watch this. It was nominated for an Oscar when it came out back in 2008, 2010. I don't know. Um, I remember just brilliant. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, and of all the movies on this list tonight, that was the highest rated. So I, I put it here even though I don't really remember much about it. Yeah. But I loved it. So There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Andrew, finish us off with your number one. Not gonna lie, I'm surprised nobody had Blue Jasmine, but everybody knows what my number one is. Is the Batman? Uh, I've seen this one. You've seen this one? Okay, yeah. I haven't seen your other four. What was it? Was it? You, what were you? Real quick, you had you had Jarhead, Pawn yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, I already forgot now. <laughs> that tells you a lot. Uh, Garden, Garden State, State and the Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, I hadn't seen any of those. <laughs> Yeah, if you could, obviously, because it's my number two, but out of all those, I would have recommended Garden State. Not just because, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it's my number two, but also, I think, having known you for a little while, I think you would really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Batman, yeah, uh, uh, we we literally just talked about this movie, so I don't feel like I should, you know, spend too much time on it. Uh, uh, it's out on HBO now, and I've watched it several times since uh, it's been released. Well, on talk HBO. about talk about Peter in the Batman. What did you feel about his role as the DA? He has one of the most memorable scenes in the movie because it's one of the most chilling and haunting scenes in the movie, where he has you know that thing on him, and the Riddler is like over the phone. It's 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 so unsettling. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Peter Sarsgaard can really sell being terrified. Mm. I mean, he does a really good job in that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes from the movie. Um, in general, though, the best scene in that entire movie is uh, whenever the Batmobile turns on for the first time and it just revs up. And nice. then the ensuing uh, chase. Yeah, it's it's so freaking good. Anybody who says otherwise is a fool. <laughs> I, I just saw it this week and I quite enjoyed it. I, I think yeah. visually, it is probably the most evocative yeah. uh, of all the Batman mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, and I and I loved like the emo gritty take on it. Uh, yeah. Zoe's Catwoman is probably my favorite interpretation of the character yet. Um, it was good. I, I, I wanted. I, I loved the bat. What I loved about it was that it felt like a mid-season episode. And I want more, mm. like, don't waste time with all this origin nonsense. Just drop us in on the next case. Make Batman 2, whatever we're calling it, just the next murder mystery for him. Like, I don't care about any of this other stuff. Just show him solving crimes and beating people up. It's, and just make one of those every year, and I'm happy. Just this, make this, it a, <laughs> a yearly thing. This movie is the meat of a sandwich. There's no breading on either side of it. Yeah, it's just yeah, the right. meat of the sandwich, you know? Uh yeah, uh Aaron just doesn't like DC anything don't DC. Don't you paint me as not liking this movie? I like this movie. I just don't like it quite as much as you do. Uh, so yeah, Batman is you fine. Know I, you He's know fine. I gotta give you a hard time. Uh, I had it. I had it at number three myself on this list. There we go. Yeah. Uh, 
all right, so there's the best ever challenge, best ever Peter Sarsgaard. Let's finish off with some buried treasure. What is that one thing mm, in Nobody has honorable mentions. Of Oh, I'm sorry. I assumed we took all the Sarsgaard movies. Did anybody have an honorable ha. mention? I had two. Okay, go for it. Well, first, I was like I said, I was surprised nobody mentioned Blue Jasmine. Just because I think Kate Oh, I thought you were a... kidding. I hated that movie. I thought oh, that movie was terrible. I, same. I did not like it. Oh. Well, I thought it was I thought Kate Blanchett's performance was sure. really, sure. really good in that movie. Uh I, a movie that I don't think if you don't like this movie, I understand it, but I think it's misunderstood. And that's the cell. Yes, this movie is trippy beyond everything. It's out there. But I think that the visuals are engaging, and it's a unique movie. I mean, there's no other movie out there like it. Uh, uh, and Go ahead. Oh, I thought those were two. Go ahead. Oh, and uh, Year of the Dog. I don't know if anybody's seen this movie. It's a Molly Shannon I movie. Even, you're just making movies up at this point. I don't <laughs> I'm, no. look, I'm looking at the letterbox page for Sarsgaard. I'm like, I don't even see these movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you had you don't see the Cell? That was a really big movie with uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Jennifer Lopez, um, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. But uh, uh, you're the dog. I would more than understand if you hadn't heard of that one. Nobody's heard of this movie. It's just one that I saw a long time ago. But it's really emotional. It's because it's about like uh, a woman whose dog dies and her trying to find meaning and uh, like her kind of like just going a little bit crazy after her dog dies. She like buy she like a uh, goes to the shelter and gets every single dog that's in the shelter, you know, so they don't get put down and stuff. It's mm-hmm. a it, it's a dog movie, and it's really good. And Molly Shannon, I think, is great. There's some... I think Molly Shannon is underappreciated in Hollywood because I've seen her in movies where I'm like, wow, she's a really, really good actress, like uh, Mia Earl and the Dying Girl, where she plays the mother. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, Molly Shannon knows how to act. I agree. So, I agree. Those are my two. Uh, John, the did only you have that, Yeah, the only movie that we haven't just mentioned uh, was Flight Plan with... Um, uh, Joey Foster. Oh yeah, okay. I, I'm, I I'm a sucker. For, I'm a sucker for good airplane set films, sure. especially like a murder mystery. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I don't even know if, who he played in that, but uh, yeah, that's worth a mention. It's on this. <laughs> I keep getting page. Flight Plan and uh, uh, Red Eye mixed. Red up. I, I I watched him like the same week. Huge mistake. I'll never be able to untangle that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, alrighty, on to Buried Treasure. What is that yeah. one item in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? John, you're our guest, so you go last. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off? I'm going to go with a, a show. It's an older show, but it, it's a really quick watch. It's a skit show called Human Giant. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of this movie, but, or, or heard of this show, but if Indeed. you haven't... You I have? do know the people in the image on the screen. That looks like Paul Shear and Rob Hubel. It is Paul Shear and Rob Hubel and Aziz Ansari. It was those three guys. They had a skit show together. And it was back, back in 2007. Uh, only like 20-ish episodes. But some of the funniest skits you will ever see in your life are from this show. Uh, some really good ones are Escalating Interview. There's one. <laughs> I'm going to explain it to you, and it sounds like the dumbest thing anybody could ever say, but trust me, it's one of the funniest things, where uh, they're uh, all photographers, like a paparazzi, and they want to get into a club to take pictures of people, so they take cardboard cutouts of all the Olsen sisters and put them like on their head, 
And then they like walk down the line and everybody's like, oh my crap, holy crap, it's Mary-Kate and Ashley. And then they let them into the club so that they can meet people. And then, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Arrested Development. He was uh, Batman. He was also in uh, uh, Will Arnett. Oh, Will Arnett oh, falls oh, in love great. with the Olsen twins and he takes them back to their apartment. But it's just Aziz Ansari with a cardboard cutout of Mary-Kate on his face. It sounds like the dumbest thing, but I guarantee you, you will cry. I, no, you I, get, so I actually just started watching uh, Will Arnett's uh, Murderville on Netflix. I like Murderville. It's fun. Uh, and that's, and that it is, it's, it's fun. It's, yeah. it's kind of dumb. It's kind of simple and they're real short 30 minutes, but yeah. 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 Good, good pick. I've never heard of this and uh, I'm a huge fan of Paul Shear and all this podcast. I can't find it streaming podcasts. or available to buy anywhere. Is it on YouTube? Maybe you can buy it on prime. Okay. So it is on prime. Okay, maybe I, I didn't yeah. look in the right place. Um, well, when yeah. I go to IMDb right now, it, it like there's a flashing thing that says uh, "Buy on Prime." Okay, well, there you well, go. Let me see if I can find another place where you can watch it. Well, uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, um, I rewatched a comedy uh, from just a few years ago because I wanted to show it to a friend. Um, it's a 2016 comedy, and. After a second viewing, um, this is, I think, one of the funniest movies ever made in the history of comedies, um, and it holds up really well, I think, um, six years later. Uh, and it is pop star, never stop, never stopping. Uh, and so I wanted to give it Good another uh, plug. If you haven't taken the time to oh, check man, out Pop Andy Star, Sarah. Never Stop, Never Stopping, I will say a couple <laughs> things at the outset. It's raunchy. Uh, yeah. It is definitely, if you know the Lonely Island and kind of the topics oh they talk God. about yeah. and the things that they do, you understand. There's a song in here about Osama bin Laden. It's and, one of the funniest and, things and, I've and, ever heard in my life. And, and it, 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 the, the song is about rating Osama bin Laden's camp as a euphemism for sex, and it yeah. is as, as, as raunchy as it is offensive. It's funny because the it. song is actually called Finest Girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great film. This is just... Uh, so lion. yeah, can confirm. Watched it within the last couple weeks and confirmed uh, for me that I was not uh, mistaken the first time I watched this. This is absolute laughter. I think the docu uh, style of it completely sells the movie for me. I just think it yeah. ne- it makes it so easy for it to quickly progress through hilarity after hilarity after hilarity. The the Justin Timberlake stuff in this is so so <laughs> funny um just yeah piece after piece after piece of this is is just so great um so yeah uh just had kind of one of those confirming moments and wanted to pass that along uh it is streaming on cinemax uh so like max go and then of course it can be purchased uh throughout uh the universe uh john what is your buried treasure yeah that uh, uh pops that is a great film the bit um, with CeeLo and the wolves or seal in the wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say quickly the. It reminds me of like those old uh, Spinal Tap parodies where it, it has oh, yeah. that, I, which wasn't a duck. I guess was Spinal Tap was kind of a mockumentary. It was oh, the absolutely. first mockumentary. Yeah, it was the first. Yeah, one. Um, yeah. I, and I miss that style of film. We don't really get that often, at least not done well. Uh, yeah. My buried treasure is certainly one that is is well buried under the dirt of Perfection Valley, Nevada. Uh, Tremors, the TV show. 13 episodes ordered and aired on Sci-Fi out of order back in the spring of 2003. Uh, If you're a fan of the first three Tremors movies, this picks up the adventures of Burt Gummer, the the gun nut, um, and the graboids under the dirt. uh, And it kind of picks up from there. They swap out yet another disposable, handsome white guy as his, like, you know, second in command. 
And um, the story kind of quickly retreads the first three movies. The first episode involves a graboid. The second involves those things with legs called shriekers. Is that Michael the third, Gross? Michael Gross. Yeah. What did I say? No, no, no. I just, no, I didn't hear you say it. But I was just like, I haven't seen Michael Gross in forever. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, this this to be fair, this show is 19 years old now. Yeah. Um, but I went back and rewatched the, the the Tremors movies, and after I finished the third one, I'm like, I guess I should kind of go back and check out the TV show, which I remember seeing as it aired on Sci-Fi so many years back. And if you like the movies, you like the show. It kind of turns into a monster of the week where each episode, there's a little bit of like uh, overarching plot, but it, it brings back uh, some of the characters. Christopher Lloyd guest stars in a trio of episodes with great effectiveness. And each week you're, you're seeing these like ragtag group of desert loners try to improv their way out of another monster situation. Like, all right, there's this, there's this deadly cloud of green gas coming from the local mine. How do we stop it before it vaporizes everyone? And they only have, like, duct tape and a couple trucks, and they have to figure out... And I, if you love that sort of improvisational problem-solving that they pioneered in the movies, uh, this is a fun watch. And this is only 13 episodes. It unfortunately got unceremoniously canceled, Um and you can't really watch it anywhere um, except someone re-uploaded them all to Vimeo. Um, and uh, make sure you watch them in the correct order because they were aired out of sequence. But I believe the oh, DVD box the Firefly, set. Huh? Uh, yeah. So I believe the DVD box set and whomever uploaded them to Vimeo uh, did it the correct way where That's the amazing. episodes make sense. Um, otherwise, you can't. It's not like legally available anywhere. It just not, it's not streaming. And you can't. We call you that can only buy it. You can only buy it used. You can't even get it retail. We call that you use your own resources uh, yeah. to find. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Be creative. Uh, it, it is fun though, and watching more of the Burt Gummer character is just—he's such a cool guy. Anytime you get to spend more time with this like anti-government, paranoid gun guy, I was uh, just is enjoyable. I was completely unaware of Michael Gross's post-Family Ties career. Like I just well, yeah. you didn't know he was, was in Tremors. No, no, I. He's just like talk. the face of Tremors, pretty yeah. much. He is. Yeah, like a lot saying. of people He's been think in all Ke- of the movies. Yeah, you think a lot of people think Kevin Bacon is like the face of Tremors? No, That's it's what I Michael Gross. Okay. No, all Michael right. Gross has been in every single Tremors thing since the first one kevin that's bacon was only in the first man. one i think that's my ignorance showed up but yeah that's yeah. that's amazing and i'm also uh, seeing dean guy. norris is in this is it yeah, just dean a one-time norris. thing or is he in no he's in every episode what and hank he's great from, hank from breaking bads in every single episode yeah, yeah. nice there you this, go and, and again chris Lloyd, there's a lot of people that like pop up in like little small roles like oh shoot i know this guy too yeah. Uh, it's it's solid. It's a good it's a good little monster of the week sci fi show. Well, there you go. Uh, that I is love Trimmers, the Tremors movies. The TV fun. show, uh, and you will need to use your own creative resources to find it. <laughs> uh, Pop star <laughs> Never Stop Never Stopping is on Max Go in Human Giant. You may also need to use your creative resources to find it. Or I love that we all yeah. pick like old. Uh, we really went with week. the buried treasure element. Yeah, we did. Yeah, no, yeah, I appreciate did. that. Uh, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. Uh, congratulations. Uh, energy was spent, and the return was a podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Uh, thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Thank you to John Paula for coming by again. Uh, John, can you can... somehow? John Paula is <laughs> cooking. <laughs> 
where can uh, people find you on the internets? Um, as, as I say every month, I have still not returned to YouTube because I am far too lazy and unmotivated. But uh, you can check out all the reviews I'm writing over at uh, Letterboxd uh, forward slash J-O-N-P-A-U-L-A. Um, I, just, I just reviewed a couple movies I had never heard of before. Liberty Stand Still with Wesley Snipes and Tough and Deadly with uh, Roddy Piper and uh, Bobby Blanks. Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yeah, yeah. Uh, two of these movies that, like, if I had watched them when they came out, I would have loved them. And as it was, I kind of liked them as an adult. Um, yeah, just good, like, pulpy 90s, 2000s action films. What was it? Uh, uh, tough as what? Tough and Deadly. This this was, this was is one of those user-drawn resources, because I think I ripped it from a YouTube video. There was there was nothing above 240p quality for this yeah. anywhere. Nice. Good luck nice. finding Tough and Deadly, but it is on YouTube. Uh, John says he's no longer doing YouTube, but he is right here on the Sif Pop YouTube channel. That's so, right. I, yeah. I, to my proper, and it's like I keep, I keep writing, I keep making scripts, mm -hmm. and I keep intending to come back. But, yeah, yeah. Well, just yeah. send me your scripts. I'll do the video. You do the writing. I'll All do right. the video, and we'll, together we'll create, uh, create some fun reviews. Um, like idea. Let's, uh, let's do it. Uh, if you want to be a Sif Pop member, you can do that at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pop. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get access to all the bonus episodes uh, as well as some other fun perks. Uh, lots of ways you can connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, rating, or review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you want to email us, please feel free to do so at feedback at sifpop.com. Got a nice email from somebody this week uh, who said they really appreciated uh, the... Uh, the buried treasure of the infinite, what was it? The infinite two minutes um, that I did a while back. So they, they sought it out, watched it in beyond the infinite two minutes, I think is what it's called. And uh, really enjoyed it. So thank you for that email. And you can send those to feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it. And that listening is much easier than walk, walk, walking on broken glass. Uh, we will be back next week with a very very strange review and stop being cryptic i don't <laughs> yeah. understand what you're saying yeah Aaron, you're gonna send me an email just so i make sure i watch uh, just to make thing. sure just to make yeah. sure and we will see you then bye bye as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.